0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious gift to us of this time this morning where we can gather as your people and listen to you, our Heavenly Father, speak to your children. Lord, we pray that you may bless this time of worship. We've worshipped you in song, we've worshipped you in prayer, but Lord, now we may may we worship you by listening to your voice and then putting it into practice. Lord, we pray that you may be with me as I speak. We pray that you may help me to speak faithfully and truthfully from your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is your response to someone when they do you some great favour? I often think about this when I consider the great favour that my wife has done in marrying me. I consider how wonderful she is and how wonderful it is that then she has chosen to marry me. And particularly when I reflect on how Poor a boyfriend I was when we were dating. There were many things that I'm now ashamed of that I did and said to her, and I wonder why she stuck with me and chose to marry me at the end. Particularly even just how I proposed to her, if any of you know that story, it is an atrocious story. Pretty much there was no proposal and uh and I'm surprised that she did agree to marry me. And so I can and when someone shows you great favor, there's lots of different responses that you can make. And sometimes you might respond by Praising yourself. When someone shows you great favour, you just take it for granted that they were supposed to do that for you, and you think, I am a wonderful person, and of course they're going to be so gracious to me, so favourable to me, because I am this wonderful person. This morning we're going to look at Ezra's response to the favour of King Artaxerxes. We've been looking at King Artaxerxes' letter to Ezra in Ezra chapter 7 for a couple of weeks now, and looking at how gracious How kind, how good Artaxerxes has been to Ezra. If you haven't been with us, I should put this into a bit of context. Basically, Ezra is... Uh, someone who has come back from the exile in the land of Babylon. The Israelites didn't stay in the promised land as when uh, Moses brought them uh, through the desert and then Joshua led them into the promised land. They didn't stay there because they basically sinned a lot and so God punished them by sending them into exile, sending them into the land of Babylon. And then God has graciously allowed them to return and he allowed them to return at the beginning of Ezra uh, with under the leadership of Zerubbabel, King Cyrus let him go back. And then Ezra's been allowed to return as well and that's where we, uh, we found that out at the beginning of chapter 7. Ezra's coming back under the kingship of Artaxerxes. And how gracious has Artaxerxes been? How favourable has he been to Ezra? Well we've seen over the previous weeks that he's been very gracious in giving lots of money so that sacrifices can be can be made back when Ezra gets into the land we see that in verse 17 in the letter from King Artaxerxes to Ezra he says with this money be sure to buy bulls rams and male lambs together with their grain offerings and drink offerings and sacrifice them on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. So he's provided for sacrifices. He's also provided ongoing costs, which was basically from verse 21 to 24 of temple usage. He said, I'm going to provide for some of those costs as well. And then last week we looked at the way that he's provided for uh, justice to be administered in the land as well, particularly under Ezra and some judges. It says in verse 25, And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of trans-Euphrates. Artaxerxes has been very favourable to Ezra. So the question then is, is how is Ezra going to respond to all this favour that has come from King Artaxerxes? Does he think, "Ah, well, I'm Pretty wonderful, it's not surprising that King Artaxerxes would do this for me. Or is he going to turn around and say how wonderful King Artaxerxes is? Not talk about himself, but talk about how wonderful King Artaxerxes is being. This is the best king of all, this guy who's provided for us in these ways. What is the response of Ezra to this letter of King Artaxerxes in showing so much favor to him? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, and it's found in verses 27 and 28 of Ezra chapter 7. And so if you've got a black church Bible, I encourage you to have that open before you. It's page 468. We're looking at Ezra chapter 7, verse 27 and 28. And the first response we see is my first main point this morning. Ezra's first response was to offer praise. Ezra's first response was to offer praise. If you're following along in the back of the church bulletin, you can see all my main points there this morning. And the first one is to offer praise. Who does he praise, though? Verse 7. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers. Ezra's first response is to offer praise, and it's praise not to himself that I'm so good that it's not surprising King Artaxerxes looks after me in this way. And he's not praising King Artaxerxes, which might be what you think he would do as well. Isn't King Artaxerxes the best king of all? No, he praises God. Praise be to the Lord, Yahweh, the God of our fathers. It's interesting, he says... The God of our fathers, it's the same God. He's very specific as to which God he's praising here. He's not been influenced by the Babylonian gods and worship a different God and say, King Artaxerxes is great because of the Babylonian God. No, he's saying, I'm very specific here. I'm using the the proper name for God, which is translated in your NIVs as capital L-O-R-D. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that word for the name of God. And then he says, and the God of our fathers. He's wanting to be very specific. It's the same God that my fathers worshipped back in the promised land. That same God who incidentally kicked us out. I am praising that God. Even though he kicked us out and it seemed like it it wasn't a nice thing for our God to do in sending us to Babylon. It was punishment to them. It wasn't pleasant to be uprooted from their land and removed. It's that same God I am praising here. And how does he praise him then? He praises him also by not just saying praise be to him, he also recounts the things that God has done for him. He says in verse 27, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way. He starts to praise God by recounting back to God, God knows what he's done, but he's saying to God, what I'm so grateful for, why I am so thankful to you is because of the way that you put this desire into the king's heart to honour the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, to go back and be able to uh, to um, upkeep that temple that they built back there, to honour God's house. And so he's recognising that desires, good, healthy desires, don't come from within a person, they come from God. And those good desires that are in King Artaxerxes' heart are not King Artaxerxes' desires. They're God-given desires. And so he praises God for putting that desire in the king's heart. And not only in the king's heart, what else does he say in verse 28? He says, And who has extended his good favour to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. It's not just that he's had favour from King Artaxerxes. He's also had favour from the powerful officials, King Artaxerxes' sidekicks. Those guys have been touched by God and are favorable to Ezra and so Ezra praises them. Now you may think oh, just because you know someone does something like a king, well of course all the sidekicks are going to follow through. Well not necessarily. Um, it does matter to have the people that are under the king immediately under the king to be liking you as well. It's not just good enough to have the king. you just think of uh, incidents in the book of Daniel. Where the king really loves Daniel, but then the other people are jealous and hate him. And Daniel gets into strife because the people under the king don't like him. But here God is praised by Ezra, not only for touching the king's heart, but for also putting favour into the leaders of the nation under the king. And so he recounts those things back and praises God for that favour that he has received through King Artaxerxes and his, uh, his officials. So the first response of Ezra to God's favour is a prayer of praise. What is Ezra's second response? Well, my second main point is, Ezra's second response was to take courage. And we see that in verse 28. The, uh, the second sentence in verse 28 says, "...because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage." and gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. He was encouraged. He was strengthened. He, he felt that he could do things. And we, this is an interesting thing for him to respond with, because there's many things to be discouraged about. Yes, he's got many things to be encouraged about, but there's lots of discouragements around as well. What sort of discouragements? Well, there's things like the fact that back in the Promised Land there are enemies. And we know there are enemies because of what we've been reading in previous parts of Ezra. There's lack of numbers back there of Israelites. Israel's not the same it was in its heyday. It's a a very different place. There's lack of numbers of people going back with him. Not all Israelites are returning from Babylon. Only a select number are going back. And that's a discouragement that not all of the Israelites are wanting to return. There's a lack of finances. Yes, the king's been pretty good. I mean, immensely good. But there's still going to be other costs involved. It's not going to be the prosperous place, particularly the prosperous place that we saw with King Solomon. It's not like it was. And so that's an area for discouragement. And the temple itself is not as good as it was either. We see that when, um, when they start building the altar back in Ezra chapter 3, there's people rejoicing about the fact that the, uh, the temple is being built, but then there's also people crying, weeping, because they remember what it was once. And they're saddened by the fact that it's not like it used to be. So there's lots of room for Ezra to be discouraged. But what does he do? No, he takes heart. He takes courage. He's, he's strengthening himself because of what God has done. God has been so favorable to him, so that gives him room for encouragement. Yes, there's discouragements. But he's not going to let those discouragements get him down. He's going to be encouraged by what God has done for him in showing great favor to him. <clears throat> So that's the second thing that he does. What's the third thing? The third response was to get to work. The third response was to get to work. And we see that in verse 28 as well, that last sentence. that says, Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. It's easy to be thankful to God and then think, God's done all this stuff, so why should I bother? Why should I do anything? Obviously, God's got it all under control. He's got the, I, the king in his pocket. He's got the king's officials in his pocket. So why should I have to do anything? Um, the money train has started, and it will just continue. But no, Ezra gets to work. There's a hard, treacherous journey to be made back to Jerusalem, and he needs to get ready for it. And so he gathers the leading men from Israel to go up with him. He starts to do those preparations on making that long, treacherous journey back. And so he doesn't just sit back once God shows great favor. He actually gets courage. He thanks God, gets courage, and then he gets to work. Now, how is this helpful for us? How is this helpful for us? Well, I think we can learn from the way that Ezra responds to God's favor back here and show a similar response when we consider God's favor to us today. What should we do when God is favourable to us? Well, my fourth main point is your first response should be to offer praise when God is favourable to you. When good stuff happens to you, praise God first and foremost, not yourself or anyone else. You can praise the person who has helped you, but you've got to remember that ultimately the person who's behind everything good that happens to you is God. He is the one who who has blessed you ultimately with everything that you have that is good. And he deserves praise for it. You should be praising him like Ezra does. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers. He was the God of our fathers in the past, and he's the God of of us today, and he deserves our praise. And like Ezra, you can recount back to God the wonderful things that he has done. It's not like God needs to know, like he somehow has forgotten what he has done. But no, you need to be like Ezra and recount what the things are that you are thankful for. Just like when you can praise someone who's been really helpful to you, but it's nice to then say to them what you like that they've done. You don't just say, oh, thanks. You say, thanks for such and such, to encourage them about why you like them and why you're thankful to them. And so it is with God, and that actually helps you praise that person even more as you consider those things. It's nice sometimes as I... You know, talk to my wife about how much I like her to actually recount the things that I like about her, and it just keeps me snowballing, going and going and going, because I start to discover more and more, and so I praise her more and more, and that's the way we are with God. We should praise Him by recounting the things that He has done for us. What has He done for us? Well, you can praise Him for the uh, for in a similar way that Ezra praises Him. What what did Ezra praise God for? For bringing honor to His house. And God still still brings honour to his house today. What is the house of God today? It's his people. It's not a physical temple over in Jerusalem. It's his people, his church. And God has honoured his house. How has God honoured his house, the Christians? By saving them, firstly. By bringing them into being a part of his house. By taking people who were rebellious toward him, sinners, and adding them to his kingdom. How did he do that? by sending His one and only Son to die, so that they would not be punished for their sins, but instead their sins would be put upon Jesus Christ. That is something you can praise God for. Recount to Him how thankful you are for sending His one and only Son. Praise Him for His graciousness in sending His Son to die in your stead, so that you are not punished, but Jesus is punished for you. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning... That is what Christianity is all about. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the focal point of Christians. That's why I think many people end up wearing crosses because they recognize how important the cross is. If you're curious about Christianity and what Christianity is all about, that is what it's all about, is Christ and him crucified because that is how God has honored his house today. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to consider the message of Christianity, that if you're outside of Christ, then you will one day be punished for all your sins. That one day you'll be held to account. Or you can trust in Jesus today. Trust that he died on the cross for you, so that you will not be punished, but instead he is punished for you. God's wrath is poured out upon him as a substitute for you. And then praise God accordingly. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to do that now. Repent of your sinfulness and believe that Jesus died for you. And if you are a Christian, praise God for what He's done in adding you to the kingdom or honoring His, His house in this way by including you. But also that He continues to honour His house. He doesn't just convert you and leave you to struggle on your own, that he continues to sustain you. He continues to do good works for you. Every good thing that you do, every good desire that you have, just like Artaxerxes had a good desire, every good desire is from God, and you should be thanking him for that. Anytime you do something helpful for someone and they say thanks to you, you should say, thank you, God, in your head. Praise God that you allowed me to do that, that you gave me the energy to do that and so that I could be helpful to that person. There are so many things we can praise God about. So that should be our first response, is to praise God for his favour. What's our second response? Well, my fifth main point then is your second response should be to be encouraged. It's easy to praise God for everything. You can be there in prayer, praising God for lots of things, and then to cl- open your eyes and immediately go back to grumbling about the things that are troubling you. You've just praised God for lots of stuff and then you just go on about the things that he hasn't done that you would like him to do. And there's many things that can discourage us in life. There's many things about God's house that discourage us. There are many things in your own life that discourage you, that you're not as faithful as you could be, that you still struggle with sin. There's many things about God's church, the people around you, that discourage you as well. You can be discouraged that we're a small church, that we don't have the large numbers of people that other churches do. And Particularly if you are here last week when a lot of people were sick and away, it was discouraging to be here when there were so few among us. It can be very discouraging. It can be discouraging the types of people that have a church. You don't like certain people and they're a discouragement. You say, oh, our church would be so much better if this person was more like Christ. More like me is what you're thinking in your head. More like Christ is what you say, though. You are discouraged all the time about other people at church. But you must remember, like Ezra did, the encouragements, the many wonderful things about your church and about yourself that God has graciously done in you, the favour that he has done. He, He takes courage here and you need to take courage as well. When God shows great favour to you, as he has done, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has been immensely favourable to you, far beyond you can even understand he has been so good to you. There's no need for discouragement. There's, you should just be taking courage all the time because of what Jesus has done for you in saving you and then what he does around you all the time particularly at your local church, the things that he does in the church. There's so many things for encouragement about Moyne Baptist. If you want a whole list, I can give them to you of all the things that we do at Dremoyne Baptist. The many wonderful signs of God's favour here. And so I encourage you to be encouraged when you see God's favour and let that outweigh the discouragements that you feel. And then what should be our third response? Well, my sixth main point is your third response should be to get to work. Get to work. That's what Ezra did here. He took courage and then he gathered leading men from Israel to go up with him. We have work ahead of us as Christians. The way of salvation in Jesus Christ is not a broad way. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 7, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. The way of Christianity is hard. There are many discouragements along the way. There are many people who will persecute you and attack you. And in fact, opposition will come to everyone. Paul says that in 2 Timothy 3. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you want to live a godly life, which you should all want to, you will experience persecution. You will experience discouragements. And that means you need to work at overcoming those when they come along. You need to get to work. God has lots of things for you to do. He's He's prepared a whole bunch of good works for you. That's He says he saved you for good works. So you need to get to work and do those good works. What sort of works should you be doing? Well, we can do what Ezra does here. What does Ezra do? What's the good work that he starts to do? He gathers leading men from Israel to go up with him. He gets other Christians around him. He's not going back to, to the promised land by himself. He's going to take others with him, support group, backup with him. And that's what we should be doing in our Christian lives as well. We should be gathering ourselves with other Christians. We should not be thinking, I'm just going to go it alone. Remember, it's a narrow way we're on. You are going to be persecuted as a Christian. People will oppose you. People will hate you for sharing the gospel with them. What are you going to do in those times? Well, yes, you're going to cry out to God. That is the first thing you will do. But God has also provided support around you and you should be gathering with other Christians. You should be committed to a local church, knowing people who you love and knowing those people who then love you in return and are support for you. When you're troubled, you cry out to them and ask for help. They're there to help you. You gather the the people around you. Christian fellowship should not be a low priority for the Christian. It should be the high priority for the Christian. Being a part of a local church, being committed there, supporting the people there, should be the high priority of every Christian. Because that is what God has called us to do. That is one of the works that he wants us to do, is be around other Christians to encourage them and be encouraged by them. So are you aware of the great favour that God has done for you? The immense blessings he has given you in Christ And then in the people around you, in the creation around you, he's been so favourable to you. Are you aware of that? If you are, how do you respond to that? Do you respond firstly by praising God like Ezra did here? He's got this marvellous letter and he could, you would think, he's going to start saying, oh, thank you, Artaxerxes. He's going to have some sort of comment about how... How he really thanked Artaxerxes and praised him as a wonderful king. Now what does he do first and foremost? He praises God. Is that what you do when you consider God and what he has done for you? It's so easy to praise yourself or praise other people around you. Do you go to God and praise him for the favour that he has done to you? And then once you have praised him for the favour he has done to you, do you remember to be encouraged? To not let the discouragements, to keep the favours in your head and to let the discouragements pass you by. There's so many reasons to be discouraged as a Christian. But there's far more reasons to be encouraged as a Christian. Do you take courage like Ezra does here when you consider the favour of God towards you? And then lastly, do you get to work? Because it's all easy to sit there in a chair, praise God. Take courage! Isn't God grand? Isn't he doing all these wonderful things? And then just sit there and not get to work, not do anything. Armchair theologians, we often call such people, they sit back in their armchairs or their ivory towers and they make lots of comments about what the church should be doing and they don't actually get out there. They don't descend from their ivory tower and do anything. We're meant to be doers of the word not just hearers of the word. Are you like Ezra and you get up and particularly get up and go to the family of God like he does here? Make sure you're involved at your local church. Make sure you're encouraging those around you who are other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then try to make believers as God gives you grace by sharing the gospel. Get God to use you to be an ambassador of him and bring other people into his house. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, the God of our fathers, the Lord, we do praise you right now for the immense favour that you have shown us, the favour particularly you have shown us in bringing us into your house Through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your love for us in that you sent your one and only Son to die for us so that we would not be punished with eternity in hell but instead have eternal life and spend it with him. Lord, this is such a wonderful favour that you have blessed us with and you continue to show us your grace day by day. Each day you sustain and strengthen us. And Lord, we praise you for it. Lord, we pray that we may be encouraged by your favour toward us. May it far outweigh the discouragements that we feel. May we see the marvellous things that you are doing for your kingdom in this church and throughout the world and be greatly encouraged. But Lord, we do pray that we may also work hard for you as well. We may see how gracious you have been And that may spur us on to love and good deeds as we reflect on your favour towards us. Lord, we pray that we may seize the opportunities you give us and make the most of them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.